Lord, thank you for the gift of your holy word. We pray, Lord, you'd speak to our hearts and minds from your word, through your spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. It's been a very scary week, hasn't it, for, for the world? But this morning, we're, we're thinking about an invitation from Jesus. In one sense, all of us are here this morning indirectly because of an invitation from Jesus. If you're here for the first time, then you're so welcome. So we've read these two uh, fairly familiar but different parables of Jesus about giving out invitations. So what are these invitations Jesus is talking about? Are they the same in both parables? And how do these invitations apply to you and me, and maybe our friends who aren't in church this morning. Why do some people respond really positively to the message about Jesus initially, but then later on reject it? Why do others accept it and find their lives changed forever? So Luke 14 is an invitation to a great banquet. But what does this represent? In Matthew's version of the parable, a king invites his friends to the wedding feast of his son, a really important invitation which it would be dangerous to reject. In Luke's version, it's just a great banquet. But in the previous verse, someone said, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God, referring to a celebration in heaven or in the new creation. So in this parable, the invitation to a banquet seems to represent an invitation to eternal joy and glorious celebration with Jesus and Father God in the afterlife. Not something you'd expect people to say no to. But incredibly, all of those invited made excuses. Their current preoccupations got in the way. One man, a landowner, had just bought a field, and he had to go and see it. His focus was on his land, his property, what he'd bought. And it seemed at that moment more important than his invitation, even, that, even if that invitation offered eternal life. For us, that field could represent our house, our garden, our caravan, our new kitchen, our new sound system, our new car, all kinds of stuff. All great blessings from God, but not to be compared with an invitation to eternal life. Then the second landowner needed to try out his new yoke of oxen. His priority was his work, like most people in work today. Meeting deadlines, doing overtime to make ends meet, bringing work home, so much to do, so much precious, never seems to give up. Or if we're a student, it may be school or college or night class. If we're retired, it might be our gym sessions, our coffee mornings, our community volunteer groups. All good and important things, but not to be compared with the joys of heaven or the wonders of the new creation and having a personal relationship with our creator God. Then the third landowner 
had just got married. So he was leaving his field and his oxen with someone else to look after for the moment while he spent some time with his new wife. And again, marriage and family life are so important. But we can easily put our relationship with our partner or our children or our parents or our wider family above our relationship with God. But our relationship with our spouse is just a foretaste of the marriage feast of the Lamb where we'll be united with Jesus and all his people forever in a glorious new creation. And Jesus specifically called his followers to put him before all family relationships. In the same chapter, a few verses later, Jesus said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Now the New Testament also tells us to honor our father and mother and to love our partner. So what Jesus meant here was that we're to love our family but to love them less than him because to follow Jesus means to put him first. So these prosperous landowners who'd all received a personal invitation to the great banquet, in the end, declined the invitation because they were too busy with their possessions, with their work, or with family life. No doubt they didn't think that uh, saying no would have lasting consequences, but it did. Instead, the owner of the house sent his servants to go in the streets and alleys of the town and find the beggars, the disabled, the blind, those who couldn't walk, and bring them into the feast. And you know what? They all said yes. Why did they say yes? Well, they were offered free food in a warm and friendly environment, welcoming them in to a rich man's house, which they'd never had before. They felt honored. They felt humbled. They couldn't believe their luck. Fantastic, yes, we'll come. They weren't too busy. They didn't have things to distract them. They were more than ready to receive that invitation. And it's often the poor and the desperate, those in prison or in rehab, those who have no hope and no distractions, who are most ready to receive an invitation to the heavenly banquet. For about 10 years, I used to go out as a street pastor in Barnsley on Friday nights, seeking to help those who are worse for wear for drink or drugs. And people sometimes say to us, why are you bothered about me? I'm not worth bothering about. You go back to your warm beds. Leave me alone to whatever I'm doing. And we would say, well, we're here because God loves you and he's called us to help you. And they were so touched that we cared for them and somehow maybe God cared for them when they felt that no one ever cared for them. But this parable... It's not just about salvation 
and the offer of eternal life. Because in Jesus invites us all to his banqueting table individually every day and corporately at least once a week. He invites us to spend time in his presence, reading and feeding on his word in the Bible, talking to him and listening to him every day. And he invites us to join in this marvelous feast of worship and teaching and fellowship and prayer and ministry every Sunday morning. Wow. As well as midweek in a life group. And yet we can use the same excuses as those landowners. Not to have a daily time with God. Not to come to church on Sunday. When Jesus invites us to. So this morning... Are we like those landowners who'd been invited but were too busy to respond when they got the call? Speaking personally, I know how tempting it is to live in a nice house, in a nice neighborhood, with a nice garden and a caravan to have a wonderful family of children and grandchildren nearby, to have a most wonderful wife, to have lots of nice things to do in retirement, to be able to watch services and all kinds of good stuff on YouTube when I want to. It would be very easy for me to stop coming to church if I wasn't on the road to preach. <laughs> and eventually, it would be very easy just to gradually miss out on time with God at home and just to drift into a, a comfortable worldliness. I might still believe in God, but no longer have a relationship with him. Or are we like the beggars and the blind people, those wastes and strays, because we know we need God desperately we want to receive that invitation we want to be welcomed into that heavenly feast and we can't believe that we're invited to wonderful times of prayer and worship and meditation in our own home even just for five minutes or for an hour however long we have the invitation's there we're also invited to this amazing sunday morning celebration and it's free plus a life group where we can support and encourage each other from, with fellow strugglers. What an amazing gift. And it's not the same on YouTube. So if you're watching on YouTube, please consider this an invitation from Jesus to join us in person next Sunday and every Sunday, if you can, come along. Now in the other parable... In Luke chapter 8, the big issue is, what kind of soil are we? And is there any way we can change the kind of soil we are? Here we have the seed, which represents the word of God, a message from God of salvation, of welcome, of challenge, a call to repent, a call to believe, a call to surrender our lives to Jesus. And there are four different types of soil 
which represent four different kinds of heart or attitude. There are the path people whose hearts are hardened by suffering, by bitterness, by lack of love, or by hopelessness, which has led them to unbelief. So they're unable to receive that message of hope and love which Jesus offers them. It goes in one ear and out the other ear. Just empty words. And with such people, all we can do is to pray for them and seek to love them. But there are others, and I've known so many over the years, who are like the stony ground whose hearts are full of rocks because they struggle with issues, with trauma, with loss, with addictions, unemployment, mental health problems or physical health problems. And they're often desperate for love and hope and salvation and eternal life and to belong to a loving family like this. Wouldn't that be wonderful? And they're often the first to come to the front and get saved and say, yes, I believe in you, Jesus. I want you. I need you. And they'll be here every Sunday. And they'll volunteer to make coffee and welcome people and clean the church, whatever they can do for a few months, maybe 18 months, until the honeymoon wears off and the excitement dies down. And their problems reemerge. And the opposition from family members or old friends becomes just too much. And often, not always, but often, they just give up. And they slowly sink back into their problems and addictions. But now they've lost all hope of things ever getting better. So is that a hopeless scenario? Is there no hope for the rocky soil people? What do they need? Well, they need help with their rocks, with their issues. In fact, they need a lot of help. They may need to come forward for prayer ministry every Sunday morning. They may need to have several sessions with the prayer appointments team. They certainly need a lot of ongoing friendship support from a life group or from the pastoral team and from anyone else who feels called to help. Because those rocks inside them need to be broken up, healed, flushed out of their system like kidney stones through the power and love of the Holy Spirit operating through Christian brothers and sisters like you and me. Though we may need a bit of training. And it's hard work because there are so many rocks in so many people's lives today. So Jesus invites them to come to him and find freedom in him. But they may need our help. Then what about the rocky, the uh, thorny soil? 
These are the people who are busy, busy, busy. We're interested in God. We start coming to church. We enjoy it. We meet nice people. Our children, our grandchildren may enjoy coming, but our lives are so busy. And there are so many other options. There's Sunday morning football for the kids and for the adults. There are gym sessions. There's golf, Sunday birthday parties, family visits, shift work, or antique fairs or caravan weekends. So many things to cram into a Sunday. And though it would be nice to be part of a life group, our evenings are just too packed with football training, school homework, bringing work back home, working late, committee meetings, or just our favorite TV programs. It's just too difficult to contemplate attending a life group, even on Zoom. And having a daily quiet time to pray, read the Bible, even for five minutes, seems just too much of a luxury. And when we do have time off, when we go on holiday, we just want to crash out and not think about God or church. And so the cares and the pleasures and the riches and the stresses of life eventually just choke the spiritual life within us. And we just look back wistfully at that spiritual phase in our lives and think, yeah, years ago I used to go to church and it was nice. If that's you or someone you know, how can we help? What does such a person need? Well, they need Christian friends who will listen and understand the pressures they're under and the temptations they face to give up. They need people who can mentor them with time management, with discipleship, with assessing their life priorities. How important is God to them? How much they want to follow Jesus? So how can they carve out time for God on a Sunday, midweek, and sometime each day? And often, of course, we're too proud to ask for help. So we just continue in this uh, mad spinning plates. And eventually, we drop a plate. And that plate might be church, might be a life group. Eventually, it might be God. It might be God. So let's try to avoid that. Thorny soil people need help. You may need help. Or you may need to be a helper. If you're a stony ground person or a thorny ground person, I think you really want to be a good soil person. A person whom Jesus described as having a noble and good heart who hears the word, retains it, and by persevering, produces a crop. 
how can we be like that good soil? First, we need to decide that that's what we really want. That is really our main priority. Secondly, we need to find help. Who can you ask to help you if you're a thorny or a rocky soil person? You could start by asking for prayer this morning. The prayer team will be in this room after the service. You want to come in there. We'll listen to you. We'll pray with you. We'll encourage you. You could talk to Matt or Rachel or a Christian friend who might be here this morning. But admit that you actually need some help. And thirdly, you need God's grace. So start or keep on asking for his grace that you can keep on putting him first. And when you ask for that, expect him to answer you. So this morning, Jesus invites you and me to his heavenly banquet. And if you haven't already, why don't you say yes? What a great opportunity to say yes to Jesus at this wonderful baptism service. Maybe you were baptized as a child, but it's all a long time ago. Maybe today is your day to say yes. I really need this. I really want this. Is it true? If it's true, God, show me. Just let go of those things that hold you back, of your sins, the bad habits, the stuff which you're ashamed of. Let go of it. Just believe that Jesus died for you. Receive his forgiveness. That burden lifted off you. Give him your life. Receive that wonderful power of his Holy Spirit. What a great invitation for you this morning. But he also invites all of us to spend time with him each day and to join with other Christians at least once a week for worship, teaching, and fellowship. So if you're able to, plan to be here on a Sunday morning. Join a life group and establish that daily pattern of time with God. And if you're a path person or a stony person or a thorny person, please ask for help this morning. Get someone to pray with you in the room there or with a friend next to you, whoever it is. Go to someone you feel will listen and understand and can pray with you and help to establish those priorities afresh in your life today. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for this amazing invitation that you give to all of us 
to be with you forever in the joy of your kingdom. And all we have to do is let go of our sin and surrender to you. And if there's anyone here who needs to do that this morning, just echo these words in your hearts to God. Jesus, I'm sorry for rejecting you in the past. I'm sorry for living up things my way, for being selfish. I'm sorry for my sin. Thank you, Jesus, you died for me to forgive me, to give me a new life. Please come into my life now by your Holy Spirit. Please forgive me. I surrender my life to you. I receive your Holy Spirit right now. Others of us need to say to Jesus, Lord, thank you for that invitation to spend time with you each day. I'm struggling, Lord, with my time. I've got so many problems in my life. I, I just can't seem to fit you in. Just say to Jesus this morning, Jesus, help me. Show me someone I can talk to this morning. Someone who will help me to reassess my priorities, to put you first, to experience afresh your love and your grace in my life. Jesus, help me. Help all of us, Lord, this morning to say yes to you so we can be like that good soil and know the joy of your eternal life.